Thank you for downloading this edition of the Wings Museum podcast. It is Sunday the 1st of August 2021 and we're pleased to say that the museum has been popular without being too crowded. In a moment we'll catch up with a man who has introduced himself as George and is dressed in the uniform of an American general. But first, a quick word with one of the museum's volunteers. My name's Derek Bryan. I'm a volunteer here at Wings Museum. I've been volunteering since 2016 and I find it's actually a great thing to do once you've got a few days spare on your hands. I usually volunteer two days a week and fortunately we get to see some very interesting people. For instance today we had the Invicta Military Vehicle Preservation Society come to visit the museum. Turned up with a whole phalanx of ex-World War II vehicles and some more modern than that. Everybody came in the museum and absolutely loved it. They thought it was absolutely brilliant. And I have to say, it was a wonderful display. Unfortunately, the weather was good for us as well. And this is one of several groups that have come and visited because they can make the most of the parking, meet up with friends and see the museum. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we, we encourage car clubs or any, any sort of club, really. For instance, we had a, a minibus turn up this morning from a village, which was just ad-lib, doing a trip, came to the museum, absolutely loved it. And when the military vehicles turned up, of course, that made their day. So they weren't expecting them? I don't think they were, uh, but they were quite surprised and a lot, of, a lot of smiles about when they saw what was going on. I'm a reenactor and I reenact along with about five other people around the world. I reenact General George S. Patton Jr., Old Blood and Guts. And I belong to the Imps Club and I'm out on a club run and we finished up at this place, Wings Museum. I finished up here and um, this, I think this is the best place we've finished up at. It's changed since I saw it 14 years ago. And, uh, more, more stuff. <laughs> more stuff. Oh, crikey, there's stuff here that uh, I haven't seen. You know, I'll have to return, so I may see you here when I return in full uniform, just with a jeep, not with the horse. <laughs> One day I'd like to put my pattern collection up here in, in the corner with the sabre, the belts, the uniforms. This jacket was actually worn by George C. Scott in the movie, Patton. Right. Flags I've got off of his command car in the last days of Patton. I was in a movie called Yanks, and I've got one of the wooden rifles. Just now, we, look, we looked at the, um, what would you call that, air raid shelter? Yeah, the, the, what, the Anderson the shelter. Anderson, yeah. Well, the other type... The metal angle. The Morrison shelter. Morrison shelter. Got one around the corner. Yeah, well, my dad couldn't afford one of them because he used to go out every night on the Sheffield Park uh, timber yard with a stirrup pump and a bucket. Right. And he, he had about two million tonnes of timber to look after. So I don't know what he was going to do with the stirrup <laughs> pump. But we had a big oak table in the corner and mum used to put a mattress and a blanket in there and push me in and cover me up. And the bombs were about a quarter of a mile away. They, they were aiming for the railway line, but they missed. And 
thinking about it since. We had this big old radio on there. We had a, a big cake battery, which was about a foot long by four inches deep. And to the side of it, we had two liquid accumulators that Miss, Miss Trekkie used to li- deliver in her little old Austin every week. Well, if a bomb had dropped and it hadn't blasted the house and cracked the, what do you call it, I'd have been covered in acid. So I wouldn't have been any better off than if I'd been out in the garden digging a hole. So that's my, um, well, the other thing I remember about the war is I thought I'd send all the planes and uh, towing all the gliders across to D-Day. And I thought that was it, but they were further inland and they were going from west to east, so they must have been going across to Arnhem. But I remember, one bit I remember about the war is my mum come up and shook me. She said, your brother's home on leave and he's got a present for you. And he gave me this thing about four inches long and it was black and it was soggy. And I said, what's that? He said, I I bought that from when I was in South America. He said, it's called a banana. He said, but it's supposed to be yellow, not black. And uh, I just carried on playing soldiers and then went in the army. Didn't like that a lot. But I haven't been up here. I've had two Harley Davidsons. I've had a Jeep. I've had a Bedford MW. And then I had a a Buick that my son saw advertised. uh, And it was all the surplus vehicles from Captain America. And so... He said, go on, Dad, bid for it, bid for it, bid for it. And I did, and I got it. And we went to drive it ho- home, and the rear axle was hanging off. So a man said, I'll deliver it for you for £75. I said, OK. So then he delivered it, and I gave him £75. He said, no, it was 175 So for the next few or four months, it was working on... Um, believe it or not, the um, lifeguard station welded all the rear axle up and put new bits on it. And uh, the brakes didn't work. But, um, the film company, they got it off of another film company. And it was for the bad man to race away from Captain America. And um, it wasn't fast enough. So they got a, a Camaro five and a half litre engine and put in it, drove it, ripped the rear axle off, so they put a Camaro rear axle on it, and they said that'd do, and then the gearbox backed up to Camaro rear axle. So it was a, a car with no brakes, with five and a half litres of racing engine in it. And my son drove me everywhere. All the shows around Hampshire, Kent, Sussex, and then his wife said, you know, that's it, you can't drive anymore. So I decided to drive it. Come out of my carport, took the gate off of the hinges, and my partner said, sell it. So being a good boy, I sold it. And I uh, haven't had anything since, but it's, um, it was all, if it's black, I'd put the stars on it, US on it, everything, you know, I went everywhere as general pattern. And... Uh, I've been doing that since uh, 1956. So I'm not telling you how old I am, but I've been doing it quite a few years. 
And then, of course, we haven't done anything for 18 months, have we? And uh, you you get uh, out the routine of doing things. And then my friend, with his jeep, he said, we're going, as I'm an IMPS member, I was a, um, a founder member of the MVT, but I dropped out of that. They didn't like uniforms. <laughs> but, and, and I can see standing here next to you, you do like uniforms. I do like it. <laughs> but now, nowadays, they, they ask people, the reenactors, to go in the uniforms to their shows. I went across with Peter Gray to France, and um, he said, they are doing a, a cycle race from Cherbourg through the Bastogne. Bastogne, Bastonia, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and Helen Patton was in the race. Helen Patton is General Patton's granddaughter. And I went there and she was reciting one of Patton's uh, poems. He wrote 100, but there's only 82 left in, in a book. And she said, the first three verses of it. And I looked up at her, and she was standing on church wall in a place called Nehu. And she finished that and looked down, and I said, Helen? She said, yes, yes. Nice to hear an English voice. I said, thank you. I said, she said, what would you like to know? I said, what about the other 18 verses of that poem? And she got on her knee and looked down at me and she said, who the hell are you? <laughs> so I told her and she put me in the Jeep and we drove up in the Jeep in the front of the cycle race up to St. Lowe. The gendarmes gave us a, a lunch and she got a guitar out and she sang the White Cliffs of Dover. <laughs> We've been friends ever since. She's introduced me to her sisters, who's a nun. Uh, a mother, a father, who's afraid he's gone now. He was a two-star general, Patton. And, um, yeah, and I just run the Patton Society. Uh, I've written five books, and I'm getting out of bloody bath. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so what is the fascination with Patton, then, for, for you? Well, when we first started, we had a man called Lee Dilly from Brighton. And, and he was the perfect um, Churchill. And he was in the film, The Eagles Landed. And I bumped into him, and then there was another guy from Woking who came as Montgomery. And then I was asked to do a show at the a theater in Worthing. Uh, can you come as General Patton? So I did. Well, I put a helmet on and a jacket. I didn't look anything like him, so <laughs> over the last a uh, few years, you know, I bought the original bout. I've got 1914, 1916 boots that Patton wore. Every other reenactor is Patton wears American boots, whereas I wear the British ones. Uh, the jackets from the movie, the shirts I've had done, the uh, jodhpurs I've had made, and uh, I try to do everything perfectly. And. Um, in my book, Helen Patton writes little things for me and uh, jokes. And um, her sister is a nun in a place called, believe it or not, Bethlehem, Connecticut. So you say you've written five books. Yeah. Where can you get hold of them? I write them, I get them printed, and then I carry them with me wherever I go. When I go to Belgium, Holland, France, 
They seem to know more about pattern, what the British do, and, and they lap it up. And uh, I've got one guy in Holland, he bought all five. I was going to get right one, and then that went. So I extended it, and then it was book two, and then book three, and then I sold him book four, and he said, I'm looking forward to book five. So um, I printed book five, and um, if you bump into me, I'll always have the books with me, and a lot of nice people buy my book. The man standing behind you and he's smiling. He's he just bought it. You want to buy another one? <laughs> well, it's, it's just a hobby, really. You, you, know. you enjoy doing it. And I, because you've I, found I, out all this stuff over all these years that we don't mention how many, you, you've got to share that, haven't you? Yeah, I've got to share it. And people write to me, you know, even magazines like um, After the Battle, they send down and... Uh, well, from America, a couple of dealers over there, you know, they've, they've got it, but they won't sell it. Yeah, so hopefully this year I'm going to be bumping into more people. Next week, the, the first show in Kent, and then another one in Hampshire the week after, and then a week's break, and then one at the biggest one, I think the best one in the world, called Military Odyssey, and then there's another one after that, Oh, and then there's one at Chatham Dockyard. So, so if people see you out and about at these things, they only have to ask? Yeah. And um, if all this is cleared up and we're allowed to go from country to country, I'll meet you on the 10th of December at Bastogne in Belgium. And I'll have the books there. And, well, we may have a few um, Belgian beers and uh, a few slap on the backs and... Um, well, whatever else comes along. And uh, cool. I love those cakes they make over the, over the continent. All the cream, even though I'm a diabetic. <laughs> and it makes the uniform fit better. Oh, yeah, it does. But uh, this is the third, fourth jacket I've had to wear because the other three have shrunk. Funny that. Well, that's what I've had. <laughs> So volunteering at this museum, what, what is it that interests you in aviation and history? I, I somehow seem to have been always interested in aviation. Um, I think a lot of it stems from my father who served in the Royal Navy during the war. And I got an interest in the history of the Second World War and from that an interest in aircraft. I've never actually worked in the aviation industry. Um, strangely enough, I spent many years in the driver training industry teaching people how to become driving instructors was my main job. But I've always had this leaning towards going to air shows, aircraft museums, that sort of thing, and being able to actually volunteer at one and get up close to it and be able to help people understand what it is we're showing them, I think that's absolutely wonderful. And the people that visit often have their own interesting stories to share, don't they? Oh, absolutely. You meet all sorts of people here. Fortunately, at Wings, we have contacts with people who are still around who were in the Second World War. And that makes some of the exhibits come to life for you, especially when they talk about things that they've actually operated or been inside, etc. We find that absolutely fascinating. And that's the opportunity to meet these people in the surroundings that perhaps sometimes their memory gets jogged by some of the items, can, can really help some of those stories come out. Oh, yes, you often, you often hear them say, oh, yes, I remember that, and they, that sort of thing. Um, because at Wings we have so much to show people 
we have so much on display and we've got so much more we could display. Fortunately, that's going to have to wait a few years until our new museum is built. One of the particular items that's you know, quite near the desk here, the car, the Austin 7. People <laughs> are always commenting on that. It doesn't matter whether they're you know, in their 20s or they're in their 80s. There's always a story and a connection, isn't there? Well, even as far as as I've got a connection with a car like that, Um, I realised when I was looking at it, it's over 50 years ago that I last drove an Austin 7 like that. (laughs) Wonderful restoration. The vehicle is absolutely mint. And everybody who sees it admires it. And we let people sit in it and see what it's like. Children sit in it and can't believe what it used to be like for for cars of that era. But yes, it's an absolutely wonderful exhibit. Along with, of course, our C47 Dakota, which really gets the children's imagination. They can see what it was actually like for paratroopers during the Second World War to actually fly somewhere and leap out the side door. For more information about the Invicta Military Vehicle Preservation Society, visit the IMPS website at imps.org.uk. And as always, you can find out more about the Wings Museum from our own website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now also YouTube. Find them all at wingsmuseum.co.uk.